and welcome to episode 142 of The Winning Agenda. My name is Jesse Marshall, and joining me tonight is Wilfie Horrig, Dave Hoyland, Mark Mottram, and Alex Fondren. Welcome, everyone. Yay! Hey, Jesse. <laughs> Uh, so first order of business is congratulations, Wilfie, on winning worlds! Yay! 2017 world champion and everybody's favourite lovable by road sidekick, Wilfred E. Horan. That's Ekarin. the one. <laughs> Gonna uh, need uh, a new intro soon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you're um, gonna have to be the sidekick. No, that's not how it works. See, uh, like I said before, sidekicks can win worlds too, Dave. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. uh, so uh, we had a bit of a chat a few days ago. Uh, well, you know, Dave and Mark and I certainly did about what we were expecting at Worlds, and I think a few of the things we said came through. True. I think we'll start with that, and then we'll move on to the more exciting actual results of the day. <laughs> um, so, Dave and Mark, how did you guys feel about how your uh, preparation played out in terms of the meta that you saw at Worlds? So, the main thing for me was we were fairly accurate on the amount of CI, so we thought that was going to be the most popular deck by far, even though the types of CI were going to be quite varied. We expected to see load testing boom, we expected to see um, rewiring. rewiring, a little bit of seven point combo maybe, but not much, and then kind of the uh, Stinson sort of uh, and fast advanced decks. But... Basically, there's quite a lot of variety right in the CI, so, um, but it 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 doesn't flood in the same way as uh, mm. most of the other courts. So mm-hmm. it's definitely one. Of the, it was definitely one of the strongest. So we knew that. I think one of the things we mentioned on the podcast is that uh, the earlier episode was that CI can throw out a whole lot of different threats, and that when you sit down opposite someone in the Swiss, you have no idea what they're on. Did you guys find that mm-hmm. that was? I had that very one. Yeah. So I was playing Ashigaru, uh, the Ashigaru City I day. Yep. And I'm like, I haven't played against it before. Mm. Um, and actually, I made a load of misplays. Um, so it's one of those things where if you haven't played against the this particular type yeah. of CI deck, actually, you can be like, oh, it's trying to do this. And you don't install the right things or you, you know, don't do the right thing with your economy or whatever. And you can get caught out really quick. Even if you know what it is, that. You, know, you, you know. still have to find the card that tells you that that's what it is. Yeah, but you've also yeah. got to identify which form of CI it is. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. And actually, what you do first turn is very different. So yeah. it just... Yes. This is kind of what I found. So if you're playing against the Brain Rewire one, like when they're on the Mythic Ice Suite, you basically just have to hammer centrals as quickly as possible and get as many Because it's really exercises. expensive to res, yeah. and they don't want to res it. Yeah, really whereas when you're playing the load testing, um, like you need to like sit back and you need to money up because basically that deck can't beat you if you're richer than it. Yeah. Um, and kind of, yeah, you have to sit there and kind of figure out. Like, the Against Stinson, you don't want to be spending all your money first turn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it seems bad. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like stuff like that. Like, it's really important. And that's, that was a, that's just a really good segue to Alex and Wilfie ended up playing that Stinson list. Um, yeah. And Alex, one of the things that we found when we were testing beforehand, you'd seen this list uh, you were hanging out with some of the Germans at the, the hotels before the event and you sort of said oh this list seems to be pr- doing pretty well against the Ed Kim list that we've been testing and so we sat down and played a few games and how did you feel in those games yeah I felt that uh, especially against the Shaper lists that we expected to see uh, be it Smoke and the Haley lists uh, not playing Mopus the Stinson lists got really really solid starts especially if you saw Stinson early because they just didn't have that economy and needed to set up be it uh, through what's that card called Laguna District or whatever the Laguna Velasco yeah that's the one or a Proco 
led to them being below five or six credits fairly often early on. And as the Anarchs, a really good turn is often gain a credit liberated, use liberated, play Earthrise or something like that. That's it, exactly, exactly. And so in those first few turns, if uh, you you get to combine Stinson and set up a reverse accounts threat, you either manage to uh, pop a Stinson sort of an ultraviolet clearance for free or prepare a free violet level ultraviolet level clearance fairly early. So it gets you so far ahead by turn four and five that those Haley and those Anarchists have to spend a fair few resources to catch up. And if you can follow that up with an MCA, then they're just playing catch up the entire game until you eventually score out. So. And that was one of the things that really played out in your top 16 games, I think, Luffy, is having two threats in MCA and reverse accounts that they have to run mm-hmm. or lose. Mm-hmm. And then if they run, yeah, you get them with Stinson. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that, it was definitely the deck of the time. Yeah, so that, I think, turned out to be the best CI deck, not, not just because you guys won, but I think that it was the most resilient to the hate. And for the three of us, I think that was the... As in Mark, Dave, and myself, we all played PU, and I think the reason that we went for that option was that we felt that there was going to be a lot of hate for CI, yep. which there was, but this Stinson list managed to evade it. Yeah, I think the like the brain rewiring combo is probably equally as powerful as a mm. deck, but because it had got a lot of attention before World, it had got a lot of hate, mm-hmm. and... You know, obviously, people still did well with it, the people who made it in the cut, but actually, I think a lot of people didn't do well with it because of that hate. Yeah. Uh, same with load testing, mm-hmm. boom, etc. Yeah. Yeah, I played. I, yeah, no, go ahead. Yeah, I played. Uh, so, I don't know if we want to skip to this, but I played the Ed Kim deck and I played yeah. Rewiring and the Icebreaker. I did so badly, I immediately threw the decks in the rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> um, not that they were what bad, was what like, was it about brain rewiring that you felt wasn't quite coming together? It's just for you. we couldn't look at how to beat the hate. Like not that, like one there are cards that were very difficult to beat. Like mm-hmm. the mythic suite is right; it's the correct dice to play just because it makes the centrals better, but it makes scoring out of the remote much harder. Which means it doesn't that, have a remote plan, really. Yeah, yeah. Which means that actually beating hate with scoring seven is much harder. I like uh, Percomus, uh, Peter. Yeah, yep. 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 Had the tech of he was. He worked out what we couldn't, which is that if you play... He didn't play Voter Intimidation at all and just played Contract Killer and Audacity. And that was probably the best thing to do. To just try and go, like, kill them as fast as possible. Yeah. <laughs> Don't yeah. even worry about that and yeah. actually have a chance of scoring out. Yeah. Just spend your influence on trying to make it turn five every time yeah. rather than turn yeah. six or seven. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then... So, yeah. So, I played that at the Icebreaker. I did... Like, the Kim deck was good, but I just felt that against a lot of matchups it was very hard to win maybe just the way I was playing it but well, I played the Kim deck as well I went 3-0 with it um, but I kind of felt like it had a couple of weaknesses that I was kind of feeling wasn't as um, easy to play and as had as many options as Haley did yeah yeah. Um, so let's cover off that Kim deck um, before we get onto the Haley list so, so what did you and then Alex how did you find it both of you so I kind of found that <laughs> against the CI list that I played, I was very dependent on drawing the the single fan, especially with the the mythic ice suite, and kind of just sat there going, um, I need to draw this card, I need to draw this card, and hope that they didn't get to that sort of thing. Because uh, the first couple of games, you just kind of jam accesses and try and trash as much as you possibly can to slow them down whilst you're kind of drawing and get getting that. I then played against um, a uh, Azure Infusion list. And kind of felt like the the breaker suite wasn't kind of ideal in terms of getting in and kind of getting as much as possible. Um, I did manage to, to win, but it wasn't like as um, 
as easy as I thought it would be. Like the Davids were really key in that matchup. Mm. And Alex, you ended up playing the Kim list that we'd been working on for a while. How, how did you find that? Yeah, I, I did end up playing Kim, and um, I was comfortable playing it because you simply accept, or at least in my case, it, it was a case of uh, accepting that you were going to win some games uh, that were going to go down to the wire, be it uh, letting them score two agendas so that you can find those key pieces, be it a, a David or, or an Imp or the Employee Striker or a combination of those. Or sifting or something. Or like sifting or yeah. whatever else it is so that you can pressure usually two centrals uh, which takes away from the remote and then the Femme plus a Retriever run means yeah. that you can uh, contest the remote as well if they try and score out behind that. But it's definitely a time-sensitive list where you have a, a lot of game early and in the mid-game but if the game goes long and if you're playing against decks like PU or whatever else and you're not sure about how to approach the matchup then you can definitely fall into a trap of losing cards that you can't technically afford to lose and you'll simply just not be able to recover against the Jutegi decks and against some of the CI decks. So I was happy with it, but I can understand why Haley was probably the the best choice for this world's event. So, yeah. As I say, I did really enjoy the imp in the Azure Infusion game, being able to imp an, an Obakata and put it in the bin to the point where I, I got to the winning point of the game and just ran archives knowing that it was there. Like that seems like one of the best answers for um, Overcarta without splashing for film critic as the restricted card. Yeah, so between the the Kim and the Haley list, one uh, and also some other things we discovered in the icebreaker was that a team of the Americans, the so-called Comrades 2017, were playing uh, a similar PU list to what we ended up playing with a couple of differences, and they were playing an Anarch list that had film critic presumably feeling that the Jinteki agenda sweep was going to be something they wanted to beat as runners. Um, that was what turned out, to, well those two decks were what turned out to be sort of the two decks to beat as in CI and PU and we all I think between Kim and Haley, chose runner decks that were better against the CI deck than against PU though you guys did have your feedback filters in, in Haley. Dave you didn't but I, Mark I, I and did. Wilfie did yeah I did, yeah. Yeah, I, did. Yeah. I just took that gamble yeah um, and I don't think any of us expected to see as many other people on PU. No, there was considerably more of them. Um, and, you know, I think it was, there was a bit of an indication by Josh Wilson playing it in the Icebreaker, but then the fact that it, it was spread like wildfire um, and all of that group were on it pretty much. Um, it turns out that they'd had the list for a few weeks and they'd been working on it for a while, so I think Jonas built the original yeah. list and he likes those grindy horrible decision decks he's a really good deck builder. he's a really good deck builder yeah and they've been playing it for a while I mean if you've got kind of Dan uh, Josh Dien and Jonas yeah, yeah, all yeah. on a list you know it's going to be really solid and they've kind yeah. of worked on it together um, quite formidable as a group and then obviously they'd found that the Val the Reg Val with the mining accidents and film critic was like a really good list yeah so it's interesting they kind of teched against their own deck right yeah mm-hmm. yeah um, which we didn't which is kind of funny like we decided that we thought it was an edge deck and CI was the deck to beat so we played it as our court because we thought it was good but we didn't really take against it yeah it's kind of like a, a weird one right because when you spoke to us on I think it was Tuesday night we yeah. were well, I was at least surprised that you'd found what you thought was a, a really viable PU list and I, I personally love like Jinteki kill decks and especially like the Cambridge Shell type stuff which is what we played um, and then obviously Dave took it to the King of Servers and went 5-0 with it and I'd messed around with a few games with it and 
took it to the, the, ice, the, the icebreaker, icebreaker as well. Like, between yeah. the three of us, we went, what, 9 nine zero, yeah. yeah. And I didn't feel like I got close to losing a game with that. So, so. I've had, it's really interesting after all three days, like, and after having played um, Josh and seeing Dan and all the others play their version as well. Um, so, they're very different decks, mm-hmm. similar kind of purposes, uh, just very different methods of doing it. And there are a number of things I would change with the deck now. Um, now, because you know, let's be fair, we came up, we came up to it really late, and we needed. Mm-hmm. I think the deck could be better if we jammed more games with it mm-hmm. um, in the kind of lead up. So, you know, like, and I like some of the cards that Dan's guys got in it, but I, I think not having the kind of um, Cambridge aspect of being able to just like throw stuff out, motion stuff out. Well, they had no advanceable traps, they which is a them. huge difference. Yeah. yeah. So Ronin was the, like, I love Ronin, it's my favourite card, mm-hmm. my favourite book card. Um, and, it, like, it just, it won me so many games. Mm. Like, it doesn't mean you have to grind them down to zero. Yeah. Like, I, was, I played against Josh Wilson, and um, so my prediction was that Josh is a really careful, meticulous player. And he will not make a mistake, so he won't take an obscene risk and risk hitting like an overwriter. So I motioned two things out, and he didn't run them. And he just, and I knew by doing this, I was giving up central accesses. Now, maybe I, I think I read it nearly, but I could have just been lucky. But anyway, the but he didn't run either of my traps, and they were both red, so I just killed him. Yeah. Like, but but every, like every game, you know, you you motion stuff out, and people. Some people are just really reckless, mm. and I, and you you get to learn as soon as you put down the first few cards, they're the kind of person who just runs everything, yeah. and they just die, yeah. Yeah. Uh, or this person doesn't run anything, and you just set up some sort of kill with Ronin or something, but you know, and that it's much more proactive than like I think Dan's guy like their deck, which is just kind of grindcore, just yeah. and it, I think that's the reason it failed in the top sixteen to an extent is that. Once your opponent sees the list and they know you haven't got motion, you haven't got any advanceable traps, you're relying on shipment from Tenon. Wilfie certainly found this. You know, we had some pretty long chats in between rounds when we knew that that's what you were going to be playing against. You had a pretty deliberate strategy going into those games, mm-hmm. and it, yeah. it worked. What you told me to do, basically. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, <laughs> and what was that? Just sit there. Don't let your feedback feel like get traps. Like Dan just randomly EMP'd in all the traffic, which fine strategy, I think. Yeah. Um, especially since like given that we have feedback filter shadow net and one sh- feedback filter one shadow net and levy mm. if you trash any of those cards really bad so mm. we thought we even thought if you're still in agenda early just get rid of it so you can get feedback filter yeah. or shadow net whichever one you're missing yeah so that you can grind them out because yeah if the game goes ages like you just turtle up that's so really got money you can't really do anything at that point is what I, I think that um, the list that we play is a lot better in terms of being proactive so in the Swiss and of Worlds and in the Icebreaker I killed people through feedback filters spoofing and on the LAN just by kind of being proactive because you, if you're very quick um, in kind of doing stuff and you get to four points really quickly anything that you install um, with motion and advance they basically have to run because at that point they're um, having to say right well I'm either going to say I think that's a trap and therefore if it isn't I've lost the game or they have to go and check it and getting people to pay like 18 for with feedback filter to stop June broke is like hilarious. 
Mm. Um, but also the cerebral overwriters, like you can get rid of spoofing and you can trash the feedback filters as well and being able to, to do that and just grinding them down to the position that um, they can't still leave Afghas or they can't run any centrals anymore because you have Kikugo across all three. Yeah, so it went okay. I mean, it was it performed well for me in the main event. I went 5-1. I think you guys did okay with it as well. Mm-hmm. Performed pretty well. Yeah. But yeah, for me, it was my runner that let me down. I've made Eddie Kim. Um, so coming on to the uh, the cut for Alex and, and Wilfie, um, and then we'll come back to a couple of other our other predictions. Um, how did you find your decks, Alex? Um, particularly the Edward Kim deck performed against the matchups that you had. What, what decks did you want to see? Which ones did you not? And what did you end up playing? As, as Ed Kim? As Ed Kim, yeah. As Ed Kim, uh, I definitely wanted to see CI mm-hmm. if I had to play in the cup. Um, and for better or for worse, I did see CI a couple of times. And Ed Kim performed as expected. I mean, the whole trick, or, or so it seemed, uh, to Ed Kim versus CI is to be able to stick two employee strikes in a row very quickly. So you stick the first one, they biotic something out, you stick the second one, and you're ready to go for the third one if they have an answer, be it a current or another thing. And it gives you just enough time to, to get central accesses, um, and otherwise dig for more answers, be it multi-access or whatever else. So, And if they spend all their time fighting your strikes, then you can sift them. That's it, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you'll find just enough points to get there, generally. So, I mean, occasionally you'll get games where... You'll stick the second employee strike, and you see the runner look at their, you know, 10, 15 card hand, the and court. they start counting court rather, yeah. and counting the cards down that they're going to discard. Yeah, and you know you've probably won that game. So, mm. so Ed Kim did plenty of work in that respect, mm. but I also definitely didn't want to come across the the Jinteki decks that were also around. So, and how did, did you come up against any of those in the, uh, in the cuts? I fortunately didn't have to face any Jinteki decks. I played against uh, Seamus in Swiss. On that Agon Fusion, on a certain uh, Hydra deck <laughs> that may or may not have been uh, designed by, by certain, monsters. Yeah, <laughs> by monsters. From well, it's what we actually UK. spoke about on our yeah. early episode that um, Dave and Mark were considering taking. Yeah. And uh, fortunately, I had to play it very few times because in that matchup, you lean very heavily on imp, on luck, and uh, on having good early and mid game pressure. But yes. So CI is the matchup you want to see, and uh, that's that's all there is to Kim, really, I think, at that point. So. You had a game on day two Swiss against a CTM build, I think. Was that day two against Spags, or was that day one? That was day one. That was day one. Day and, one. And how did the Ed Kim deck perform against that sort of asset spam archetype, which was the other deck we spoke about as the NBN yeah, potential CTM. deck, and quite a few of the Americans did do quite well with that. How did the Ed Kim deck perform against that? Yeah, I would definitely say, if you're expecting a lot of CTM, Ed Kim is probably not the ideal choice. Uh, Employee Strike does a lot of work, but cards like AR Enhanced Security just put so much pressure on IDs like Ed Kim. Well, since your ID causes you to forcibly trash things. <laughs> That's it, exactly. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not the healthiest of, uh, <laughs> of identities when you want to try and not lose the game. But uh, generally, I'd say Imp again once a, uh, can carry your, your just your whole game plan for a while. But if you get to the late game against CTM and you haven't won, then you're probably going to lose. So, so it's definitely probably not the idea to go and uh, pick if you're going to expect a lot of CTM. And fortunately, I'm not sure how many CTMs made the cut. Probably a couple, but one or two. Uh, yeah. Spags was on it. Uh, yeah, and Abram as well. Oh yeah, and Alex. 
Yeah, Alex White was on it. Oh, okay, three. Yeah, three. Yeah, that that book was interesting actually. So obviously the UK guys had gone with this like uh, very heavy spam kind of um, MCA clicking, scoring out with team sponsorships type build. Whereas theirs is a lot more kind of glacier focused. They were playing like architects, IP blocks, toll booths. I think it was quite rushing. Yeah. Um, so like, I don't think Abraham had three, but the others had, all had three data ravens. Mm-hmm. And it was basically jump stuff behind two data ravens yeah. and do it early. But so yeah. their plan against Haley was basically to to rush them yeah. so, before your setup. So we done some testing um, with a um, our CTM anyway against the Haley list that Dave and I ended up taking. I think the joint listings on that. Yeah. And the the they wasn't even close. Um, and you guys played it a couple of times too in the Swiss, didn't you? Against uh, CTM, yeah. I didn't play any CTM. Yeah, oh, but so you did, yeah. Um, but you played, you played their list. I think Eric Coley was on it, and like the game that was like, like I was I surprised. Was on the same list in Swiss as well. Ah, okay, and I was surprised that like it wasn't a kind of steamroll thing. But the deck seemed their deck seemed to hold up actually pretty well against it. Didn't Swiss in the Swiss game, so yeah, it's very different. Yeah, and Wilfie, your Haley list. How did that perform against what you saw in the top cut? In the top cut, I played against only PU twice. So yep. the strategy that we mentioned, I basically uh, did it, and it worked out like. And just on that, um, uh-huh. was knowing was knowing the list really important in that strategy? As in being able to see the deck list before yeah, top sixteen yeah, matches. I think for every deck, it's important. Like, how did you so, find that, by the way? With you kind of sitting down and like being able to essentially read card for card what they're playing I thought I think it's the only realistic way to solve the problem that otherwise you just have someone <laughs> like you just watch a game on stream <laughs> write down all their cards or whatever yeah. and then or someone does it for you and like you, you get an unfair advantage yeah yeah. yeah so it's, an, it's a really interesting subject right because you say it's you say it's only, the only fair way because well not everyone knows we knew right beforehand. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> so like when you go into the cut, I feel like pretty much everyone knows what everyone else is on by that point. Yeah, but so for instance, if I'd played my PU list on the cut on the stream rather, and someone who was friends with someone in the top sixteen had sat there writing down as Wilfie said, card for card, everything that was in my deck, they would have a much better idea of what I was playing then say I was able to convey to Wilfie yeah yeah, then say what I was just able to convey to Wilfie orally before he looked at the deck list about what I remembered of the Americans PU list Um, you know I had some idea but it wasn't precise it's interesting though because when you were playing Eric this morning um, he made a comment after the game saying he knew you were on Subaru Overwriters but didn't know you were on Junebug therefore Mm. they kind of when you're playing that sort of list Mm -hmm. the word gets around but I actually think if any of us had made top 16 with that 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 actually probably aids us because if you're jamming stuff with the motion behind it then everything then at that point becomes in Junebug or Cerebral well we designed the deck for that purpose I mean that's why we had Overrider, Junebug Psychic Field Snare and Breach Dome and Ronin and Ronin yeah and Agendas (laughs) yeah I mean what I found interesting when it came to the, the showing of the deck lists is that you didn't get as much of a, a disparity between Corp and Runner as one would expect. You'd think that if people got to see the Corp lists, they'd have a better Runner game, but certain decks were a lot more resilient to being known as in Corp Well, lists. I think yours was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the CR deck especially, I mean, I mean, everyone saw what was in the deck and they couldn't do anything about it. It made absolutely no difference. And I think the PU list in some ways did the same thing, but as long as you were on Feedback Filter, 
and and you were comfortable not being too aggressive against the PU deck, you could get there in the long game. So I do think the issue though for that particular PU deck that the Americans were playing was that their only route to scoring five for threes was advancing them or double shipment from ten. Yep. They had no other way to score five for three. And once you know that and you switch onto it, like they either lose themselves um, with an open remote, or they yep. have to wise everything. Yeah. Um, or you just kind of just ping them Breachstone and the archives occasionally. Yeah. But yeah. like, there's probably worth it to stop them from doing that sort of thing. So. Yeah. I think the thing I liked that by their list more than ours was the imagine. Yeah, was the other yeah, version. the three preemptives and two one powers. Yeah, yeah, and I felt like I don't feel like ours needed that much because their wind one is different. Yeah, because uh, they needed to recycle their EMP. Their, their deck can yeah. go infinitely, right? Like yeah, that's, that's designed. But um, I think we need more than we had. Yeah, so we had three archives, but maybe a preemptive as well, just to get back some key cards into the deck would have been good. I think a second one power. Second one power, yeah. yeah. Every time, I think every time all of us did see the one power, the game went a lot better. <laughs> yeah. If you see one power, I think it just it stops you flooding. And the thing is, if they if you install it, use it twice, and then they run in and trash it, you're like, I've got three archive. Yeah, yeah. Now I've just got access to it whenever I need it, mm-hmm. and that's massive. Yeah. Um, but you need to be able to. You need you to, need to it. get it first. So yeah. I think it's like as I was saying. Now I've played the deck for around like eight rounds of Swiss, or whatever. These are the sort of changes I'd make, but it is really strong. Yeah, uh, and Wilfie, the we, we, we've spoken a little bit about your runner matchups mm-hmm. in the top sixteen. So you had the two PUs. Mm-hmm. Um, did you you then had a game against CI as well? No, no. Uh, so PUs. just the two PUs. I played five games in total, two runner, three corp. Okay, and how did the corp games go? Uh, so I played against Haley all three times. The same. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like the list I played was Andre Nilsson's basically. Yeah. Um. Uh. But I'm like they're all basically the same. So I think <laughs> it's basically the same lock, lock Haley every time. And the strategy for them was to try and get Clot either through Da Vinci or SMC, mm-hmm. lock you down with Satcons and stop oh, you. Oh, Artist Colony. Yeah. Yep. And stop you from scoring using your MCA mm-hmm. austerity policy. Yep. And so my plan was to MCA reverse to council until they had no money, <laughs> and then Stinson so you could do it again. Or build a remote yep. with all the money that you yep. had. And, and because had uh, Gregory especially didn't have sifting, I knew he didn't have sifting because of the... Um, deck list. Deck list. Yep. So his only chance on HQ was single access, no legwork or anything. Mm. So mm. I knew from So you there, could clearance as much as you want. Yeah. yeah. Disgusting. Yeah. But so it's interesting, though, that that information meant you didn't... Yeah. Like, you changed your game plan because you knew exactly mm-hmm. what was in his deck. Yeah. And so, that's exactly what Alex was talking about, that the, you'd think the runner having info about the Corp deck is more important, but knowing what threats the runner has is just as important. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. So I actually think that um, like the PU decks, especially because like, we're running traps, people knowing that like, the variety of the traps mm. makes them question more about what they can do as well. If people think, oh, you're just on overwriters, they might run something thinking, well... Actually, I can't die, but they can. Yeah. Is oh, then this is more damage than I was expecting. I, I can't deal with it. Yeah. So, like, so I wasn't running any snares. Mm. I was just running. I changed to two psychic fields. Yeah. Um, but the, the amount of times people are so fearful that you score something like a house of knives, they just check stuff and you lose an entire hand of cards. Yeah. yeah. Especially so, when they go, I'll massively draw, so therefore it doesn't. Just steal over. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. So. Um, 
And sometimes I live in uh, Mushin. Mm-hmm. Mushin, the, the psychic field? There's yeah. lots of like, nice little cool tricks with that deck, though. Like, Ike's fast becoming one of my favorite pieces of advice. Like, that now first that, sub? Yeah, now, now that Yogg's gone away, it's just like horrible. Yeah. Um, Wouldn't you like to overdraw? Yeah. No, like, well, no, it's just. Think you will. Yeah. <laughs> Are you bidding cards. zero? I've bid one, so you can have two cards. And then if you have double like, Ike on HQ. I was talking to Dan DeGenio about this actually it's funny because you bid one and then they go oh no like I'm going to overdraw and they go into the next one and they pay and you bid zero and they bid one because they didn't want to overdraw and you've kind of milled them four cards effectively and they're not accessing anything and then um, they're like oh I've got all these cards I might as well check archives and then you get more mills with the breach done and it's just like so good yeah really fun so Ike turned out I think a lot better than we all expected Um, so coming to the uh the ice suite in the CI list. I think building that was sort of a cobble together of different strategies. So the three of us, Wilfie, Alex, and I, had spent quite a bit of time testing different CI builds. So we tried random wiring, tried hard hitting news, boom. You know, I even, think even tried fast advance. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think all of those lists have strengths. And, and as we said at the very beginning, if your opponent doesn't know what you're on, then they're very good. Um, but we sort of settled on this problem, which is once they do know what you're on, and again. Um, testing for the cut where they know exactly what you're on uh, you ha- you sort of have to have a plan to build a remote and score just in case things go wrong and so I think the ice suite we settled on was one you sort of ported across to this list which was like Fairchild 3's a Fairchild 2, Bastion, Itchy Architect. and you added Architects because it's much better in that list yeah. than it was in the boom list um, how did you find the ice suite? Uh, yeah it went really well um, I think I mean I drew a lot of Fairchild 3's and that's Evidently the best ice in the deck, so that was pretty lucky. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, but but were you? I mean, that's a big decision to go for that over the GFI. Yes, right. And, and do you think that paid off? Yeah, it definitely paid off. Um, like being having MCA gives you a lot more control about when you can score your five for three. So mm-hmm. that's probably the main reason. Like even though I'm petrified of playing five for threes in the GFI, electric upgrade so good in that deck. Yes, right? yeah. each time you score one, you're just like. They've got one turn to go. Yeah. It's almost worth five points. Yeah. Sometimes seven. Yeah. yeah. Which is pretty amazing yeah. for, an, uh, for a five advancement yeah. agenda that you can fast advance. Yeah. Um, Especially with MCA. Yeah. And now, I mean, this is going into a little bit more of the specifics of the top 16, but there was a game, the first game against Greg, um, mm-hmm. where you played out the naked five for three mm-hmm. because you felt like it was your only way of winning that game, mm-hmm. which yeah, I think it was. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, if you'd run it, you would have died. And that's, that's something <laughs> that's something that I've never ever in my entire life seen you do, except for one time at a regionals and you lost, and you've never done it since. <laughs> um, was that with the Astro? Oh, no. no, it was an efficiency committee oh, okay. or something. Yeah. yeah, it was like two years ago. Um, what was it that spurred you to do that, and how did you feel it's all grown up. Go- going back to this new or finding this new style of play? Well, I mean, like... It's called an upgrade, just. Yeah. <laughs> it's a mandatory upgrade. It's yeah. 2.0. Yeah. Um, well, jump well, I don't know. I figured it's... One, it's more dangerous in my hand. Two, I can't win unless I do that. And three, he knows he has stints and so it's so bad for him to run if it's anything other than elective upgrades. So he has to specifically think that I have elective upgrades, which is so unlikely because it's such a risky thing for me to do. So we've discovered that the way to help you to gain new subroutines is to present you with puzzles where that's the only solution. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although he could have run archives, like that yeah. would have been a possibility, because then I'm then I'm not sure why we're done next turn. Yeah, because you can't shipment from ten. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, for that to be mm-hmm. good for him, he would have to expect I have specifically shipment and not just biotic. Yes. So yeah. that's a trade off. Mm. 
and the shipments that's a, a good segue because I think they were a really important part of your win in the top 16 because they break apart not only the the credit um, amount that you need to fast advance something but also people's expectations counting the number of biotics that are gone yeah. for how you're at, what you're able to do to fast advance um, how did you find them? Yeah, I mean, we said in the set review that shipment contains an absurd card. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's a zero-cost labor. Yeah. And so, to have... Yeah, to, like, it worked. It basically perfect work in the deck since you just need more ways to close games. Although, Alex, you have played more with deck than I have, so... I mean, one Alex loves the games, but I saw. Yeah, 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 no. Shipment's amazing, and uh, it means that you can win a lot of games where you actually have to score uh, four two-pointers, which can be really, really awkward. Mm. Sometimes they find that uh, the 5-3 in your hand and you can't find the other one. And uh, you need to find weird turns where you can score two two-pointers in one go. And so it combines so well with efficiency committee and being able to set up the whole, the, the sort of the winning turn uh, through sort of a, a reverse accounts and an MCA combined. Can we just touch on efficiency committee since you mentioned it yeah. there? It, I don't think I've seen it be as good in a deck yeah. as it is in this deck. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. Um, what are some of the uses that you got out of it? So, I mean, I mean, you've <laughs> so mentioned the uses. like being able to add extra advancements yeah, to your. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, you get some generic uses, obviously, through uh, just getting the the shipment from ten and played out. I mean, you're essentially using one efficiency committee click. So yeah, it's a it's a free click essentially to score out whatever ridiculous agenda that you shouldn't be scoring that turn. Mm. But alternatively, I mean, being able to get free clicks, being able to take all three combined with Jeeves. Mm. or whatever else to, to get an extra click purge uh, get well it becomes click. a whole whole new it's, turn plus a Jeeves click it's just you, know, you get so much value out of it and yeah. combined with shipment of 10 and, and things like Vitruvius counters and elective upgrade counters the value is endless and you can construct some really really weird scenarios where you can take huge advantage of uh, the runner's low credit counts so, yeah. and what I really like about the deck and about how both of you piloted it was that in our testing, I saw sort of level one, and then when you were both playing in the top 16, there were lines of play and things that you were able to do with these extra clicks and with these cards within a turn that I was like, holy shit, like, I, I didn't anticipate you actually being able to do that. I can't remember, seen there was before. one turn um, that was kind of like, I saw you playing and you were like, all right, I'm going to do this, and it's like, your turn just kept getting longer and longer, you took, <laughs> took off efficiency committee and you're like, and then I'll take another one, and get a Jeeves click, and then I'm going to do this, this, and this, and then get a Jeeves click and do this, and this, just sort of like, sat the other side of the table going, this is the most depressing thing I could ever <laughs> possibly think of, it's just like, my reverse accounts, and then I'll do this, and then I'll install MCA, and then click it, and then, no, you have two clicks, and I've just had 15. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty... That's why... Like, the double yeah. MCA turn was yeah. probably the highlight of your top 16, would you say? No, it was no? when I... Uh, was it the same turn that I rezzed the Stinson against the Cache? That was my proudest moment. Okay, yeah, yeah, so that was in the final. Talk us through that. The what? The, the, against the Cache? The uh, Cache. Uh, <laughs> cache. <laughs> One-cost virus. So we have a, a French-Australian, two British people, and two Australians. <laughs> so I don't think we're going to agree on the pronunciation yeah, not, of Cache. Not today. <laughs> um... Yeah, so your opponent had an SMC on the board, and you were you installed advance, advanced. No, so it was already there. So I had a Jeeves in play. Yep. So, oh right, okay. So you... I was thinking of whether to advance twice or triple advance uh -huh. because he was. So I advanced it once, rezzed it in the hope that he would use his SMC uh, in order to get something because he was worried if I lose four, mm -hmm. if he loses four, I then have another click. Yep. So if he doesn't get something, I can advance and then crack it. Yeah, I mean, he gets another window. Yeah, still, yeah. But, like, yeah. 
depending on how much he's willing to lose. Yes. And then he did he bait he uh, bit on the first one and used his SMC to get Cache. Yep. And then and then installed from hand as well. Installed Guardian Blade from yep. hand. And then I res in the same window res the Stinson so that he had to take money off Cache. Mm-hmm. So in order to stop me from Stinsoning. And then I then you were able to reverse accounts, yeah. yeah. And then you were able to biotic. Well, I think yeah, biotic reversed. That's amazing. And then yeah. Stinson, Stinson. Yeah. So yeah. you actually would have only had one click left yeah. to use the reverse. Yeah. But, after he took the money yeah, off cash, but, but then you biotic'd so that you had enough to reverse, and then Stinson, the, which yeah. was the what game. that yeah. was the game. Yeah. yeah. And because that not only got you back up to a reasonable number of credits, so you wouldn't have to discard. Yeah. Because um, I was on like three credits. Yeah. <laughs> because I thought that I couldn't. Biotic twice, so uh-huh. you can get an extra G is quicker. Uh-huh. But, yeah, but also meant that you got the insane value of Stinson, and it was I think in all of your games in the top sixteen you got to fire Stinson, or at least in two of uh, them. Yes, all of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I mean, it's a reverse accounts deck. Like, it's, yeah, yeah, that's um, the point, right? But I mean, you can. It's also an MC austerity policy and good ice deck. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can conceivably win without a Stinson. Right, but again. I played against Haley three times, so yeah. you sort of need to do the uh, reverse accounts clot dance, and we you said. You gave me the tips that it should always install Clot, which I followed completely. I yeah. never, I never installed an agenda unless they didn't have a reverse. Mm-hmm. And they always bit because mm-hmm. it's always better for them too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh yeah, true. They did. Yeah. Um, uh, actually, not once, and then I scored the efficiency committee because I didn't have a because you didn't have the reverse accounts. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that worked out well. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. We have upgraded. <laughs> <laughs> um. So how did it feel um, going through the top sixteen undefeated? I mean, Good. just like the only game I lost was in route my first game of the tournament, which was <laughs> <laughs> so it just got better from there. <laughs> how did you lose that one, Wolfie? Uh, I oh, this was bad. I <laughs> thought for a while, then I'm like, okay, I can reverse stints and I have the reverse stints and thing. How many clicks do I need? Uh, I, I can't work it out. Let's just efficiency committee. <laughs> so I have enough clicks. I go install advance, and my friends like, you can't do that. I'm like. Because I was going because you efficiency committed, which prevents you from advancing. Yeah, yeah. Because I was going to reverse. Because you can, it was already the reverse was already there, so I could advance, advance, committee, use it, stints and three things. Like, but you just use the clicks all up front, and then yeah, and then couldn't I'm do like, anything. Uh, gain five credits. <laughs> <laughs> that was bad. Um, so that's miles away from the Wilfie that we saw in the finals. <laughs> to be fair, I think that was it. <laughs> to be fair, I built the decks literally the night before. I played one game with the Haley, no games with the other one. It, yeah, it does. Like that's really impressive that you've managed to get that far because when it looks so easy and so natural, like when you were playing in the final, like I was watching and going, I really want to play this deck. It, like, it takes a while. Like it doesn't take long to get used to a deck, right? But it does take longer. Yeah. Than... And to to do that and go undefeated with it and Worlds Field is like remarkable. Really impressive. Yeah. So well done. Uh, and talk us through the final. I mean, you were b- before the final game. You had quite a long wait because mm-hmm. coming into the win- from the winners bracket, there are two games that have to finish before you get to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and while we were waiting, you know, trying to ha- do our usual tournament, uh, good tournament hygiene, and drink lots of water and eat lots of food and stay well hydrated, um, you were telling me that there was basically no difference between coming second and coming first, so you didn't care. Uh, how do you feel about that statement fine, now? Fine, fine. That's out of context. <laughs> the context was that I think the best way to pl- like play is to not care about whether you win. Yeah, of course. Because losing is too emotionally yeah. impactful otherwise. Yeah. So that's what I mean. Like, not that it's not good to win, but 
if you care about winning, you have to care about losing. That's, That's much true. Worse. Yeah. Um, but you did say that there was no difference between coming first or second. You, you do need to talk. Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly the, the opposite. He is the massive tilter that he doesn't win. No, I, but to be fair, I think that is absolutely the right way mentally to approach those sorts of big games because otherwise you put all the pressure back on yourself. And I think it was quite evident to anyone watching the stream from the way you carried yourself through that final game you were in a zone that was almost like meditative. You knew what you were doing and like the noise around you and the cameras weren't phasing you. And that was mm-hmm. impressive to see. So well done. Um, but in, in contrast to your um, feigned lack of caring about the result, uh, what are some of the good feelings that you have right now, like on the night of having won? Uh, what are some of the things that you really enjoy about being the yep. world champion? Well, I'm glad that we can talk about it on our podcast. That's good. Since, yeah. you know... <laughs> That's been a project of ours for a while. Yeah. Also, I like that maybe I'll be more money in bet runner and still be an awful pick because I thought I was a bad pick at six dollars this year, <laughs> and I was. <laughs> I uh, still still believe that. Alex and I both picked you. I think. Did you do bet runner? I think I picked you. Yeah, I did bet runner. I can't yeah. remember what I picked. Oh, I picked well, Asgard. He was good. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, p- I picked both Alex and Wilfie, so at least I had. Nice, yeah. And I picked Spag, so I had three in the top six nice. teams. I did all right. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or two things. More money in bet runner talking yeah, on the yeah. podcast. What else is good? Um, I don't know. It's nice to, given that you know we came over here and to post a good result. Yeah. Also, a playmat. I like my playmat. Ooh. And what about the art print? <laughs> I actually like the art print. Yeah. That's the medal. My room. Yeah. The medal. The mat. We got a photo of you with the medal. Do you, Why? Do you take that to work or do you, do you where, wear where it? Where is your medal, by the way? Why aren't you wearing it? Yeah, actually, where is... Oh, it's at the hotel. hotel. Damn. Okay. Um, and the Jinteki token box. Did you get that? Yes. The box is too small to put it's, any Yeah, you can't actually fit anything in it, so... Yeah. You can put, like, you can 10 credits in You can sell it on eBay. You can put some honeycombs in there, maybe. Ooh, yeah. Let's not think about that one. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a nice box. Anyway. Yeah, it's a nice box. Um, well done on the result. Um... Alex, how are you feeling having made top eight at your first world? Top four. Top right. four. Top, right. six. Top, six. Right. top six. Top six. Sorry, six. <laughs> very specific. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say I came fifth. Uh, <laughs> Seamus is in that fifth, sixth window, and I played Seamus three times, and he lost three times. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, them's fighting words, so, Alex. <laughs> so so Seamus, if you want to play some more games, we, we can get... You can settle happy. the fifth, sixth ranking. <laughs> yeah. Have <laughs> a rematch. But, uh, yeah, I feel good. Uh, the first loss in in elimination rounds was a game loss. Mm, that was quite disappointing. Where I went ahead and uh, called a judge on myself, uh, which, yeah, like I said, resulted in a game loss. Which what did you do? A little disheartening. Uh, I went through an Excalibur, click one, drew for a click two, make a side, click three, and I saw the first card in R&D before I called the judge. Um, and that, that was enough. And so after that, I was a little bit disheartened because I felt I was in a good position in that game. But fortunately, with a bit of advice from DN, I decided to sort of calm down and decide that I was doing well in all of the games that I was playing in, and I should simply continue to do that. And uh, no, no, I'm very happy. Top four would have been nice, but um, I was I was happy with day two. I aimed for top sixteen at the end of day one, and uh, I honestly couldn't ask for much more. So, so I'm very. Yeah, look, I think the position that you were in a couple of rounds before the end of day one, you needed to win out, or you wanted to win out to make day two and give yourself a realistic chance to top 16, and you managed to do that, which is not easy considering the calibre of players that were there at the, at the top tables at the end of day one, and then to be able to continue that and sweep your first round of day two was a huge effort, so well done. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. It's awesome. 
Um, any other thoughts, Dave and Mark? I think just coming back to our, our previous discussion about the metagame, just sort of summarising what some of the differences were between what we predicted the other day and what we ended up seeing. So what did we predict? We predicted... We predicted sort of 50 to 60% CR, which is a little too high, but... Not by far. I think for, it was about around 40, yeah. high 30s. 30, 35%. Yeah. I actually played the entire World's First without seeing CI. <laughs> rather frustratingly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think the, the main one is the, the switch to not just Jinteki, but like the Jinteki kill deck. Like we had an expectation that there would be Jinteki there, but not as mainly the Azure Infusions stuff because the UK. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of UK uh, on Hydra. Yeah. There was, Again, a really good deck. Which we knew, but we didn't expect there to be as much of the American crew on PU. Didn't think that and to put it in context, I mean, there was only 16 PU players. So there was the three of us and Chris Dye who played our build, and then there were 12 others out of a field of 210 other people who played PU. So it wasn't massive, but it was an important group of players. That's yes. So I don't think we kind of I don't think we were aware of how how much that had spread. Yeah. Um, CTM, I think we were pretty accurate. Yeah, on CTM. yeah, I think CTM become became a build that people were always going to play. Like it, it is strong and has yeah. like a reasonable matchup and and it finished first races. in and the I, Swiss. I, yeah. I spoke to Dandy about it and he said it is definitely a real deck. It's definitely interesting. It's good fair net runner, and that's why he didn't play it because obviously he doesn't like, like fair net runner. <laughs> <laughs> His words, not yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, So, but yeah, so. I think we were fairly accurate with that. Um, Haley and Anarch were pretty accurate predictions. Yeah. Um, Criminal was a mini faction. Criminal is a mini faction. Seven <laughs> percent versus six for mini factions. What <laughs> bogs? Yeah. Although there was a criminal that actually did make. Well, I say top criminal. 16. Top sixteen. It's shape not, a, shape it's a criminal that made top sixteen. It's geist. <laughs> it's like the worst criminal. <laughs> um, Shirtless criminal. <laughs> the. So, I, I think we were right as well in the sense that we predicted way more Haley than we thought yeah, smoke. smoke. And I think I think everything had moved on from a few months ago, where everyone post kind of announcements was testing smoke, and then I think everyone realised that Haley was considerably better. Mm-hmm. I agree. Which actually, surprisingly, well not surprisingly, but that was also Michael Boggs's prediction. Uh, for those of you who've listened to our episode with Michael Boggs, he said Haley's the number one runner deck, and I'm putting my hat on that. And he was right. And CI was the number one cop. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was right. He was. He did well, which is a, a, a good effort for a lead chose, designer. Is that why he chose Haley and CI? Because Boggsy told him. <laughs> Such a fan girl. <laughs> um, so that's the corpse side and the runner side. Um, uh, yeah, I think all in all, summarising the meta for both of you, how did it, and for everyone, how did it feel playing this Worlds compared to last Worlds for you guys? And Alex, how did it feel playing this Worlds compared to previous? So we'll just go a long start with Dave. And So, so I, I'm a bit bittersweet on this. Yeah. So this has been one of my favourite Worlds experiences. So um, I've had an amazing time. Um, I've really enjoyed the prep for this world more than most others because the math has been so I know it's not a solved thing where actually CTM is the best deck. Mm. You, you, if you're going to build something that's not CTM, has, you have to test and prove it's better than this. It's been such so open that that kind of puzzle solving aspect and the meta guessing has been really enjoyable. Like obviously we've chatted loads. It's been a whole Team UK thing. Really enjoyed it. Um, the actual tournament itself 
found that there are lots of decks which are teched for a matchup. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like you might say use the Eddie Kim deck where you like I want to see CI I'm going to yeah. smash CI with this list yeah. or um, you look at say the, uh, the Americans um, foul list where it's got film critic and all this sort of stuff and effectively it's designed um, to be able to help them kill the PU list mm. um, actually it's not really got that great a CI matchup so that um, so decks are very kind of singular focused in what they're good at um, because they can't really do everything mm. but there's just too much you know? yeah um, and what I think is that, that that creates a bit of a rock paper scissors meta whereas you sit down against someone and you kind of go is this a favourable matchup or is this a bad matchup yeah and player skill definitely comes into it you can still win bad matchups but mm. it is quite quite swingy depending like it feels like you need tech cards for almost every matchup otherwise it can be unwinnable um, and so that that's the bit I'm unsure of at the moment if I like I mean, in some ways it's a good thing in a card game to yeah. have that like because yeah. if multiple decks are going to be good then some are going to be better against others than they are against others um, and that's just the nature of a metagame that is diverse is that you're going to have good matchups and bad matchups it can be frustrating though yeah um, and I certainly found it like in the last round of Swiss I had a smoke deck playing film critic which is terrible for my PU list and then I had a, a Polana Glacier list with DNA trackers and Chiashis and a million upgrades and I was like well but I'm unfavoured in both of these and that's really unfortunate but I don't know. I, th- I think I'd probably take that rather than a, a meta like we had last year. I don't know what you think. It's tricky mm. because... As a player, I felt more comfortable last year. I was like, my decks are great against everything. <laughs> this is a good feeling. Yeah, so Certainty. while it was a yeah. solved meta, it meant that your choice of what to play was quite limited. Mm. Um, so... So that was bad. But what I found was that the, the games like were really interesting. Mm, like the whole, the whole wizard CTM matchup. One of you played it quite often. Mm. It was actually a really interesting mm-hmm. matchup. Or you know, and very skill intensive. Yeah. Yeah. So people were like, "Oh, there's 16 yellow in the cup." Yeah, I can totally understand that. That's, that looks really bad. But actually, if all those matches are really interesting, that's a really good thing. And they were. Whereas in the main. you yeah. you actually. Obviously, you probably haven't had a chance to look at this, but you look at some of the commentary on the um, the chat during some of the games in the top sixteen, including the final, where it's just like, "Well, this is boring," or "This isn't," you know, "This is this game's done," and it's because, like, you know, in final Wolfie just crushed it, and I don't even think. It, I think the the this, this penultimate quite, game yeah. was the worst example of there's, that. There's yeah. been quite a lot Which of games. One? Dan versus uh, Greg. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. been quite a lot of games where like people have just gone. Um, I've not really seen before where people have just flat conceded and they've just kind of gone like um, oh, right well this has happened or this is the situation therefore I can't win at this point so you win there's nothing I can really do it is unusually net runner yeah yeah. Wilfie how did you feel about this year versus last uh, well <laughs> I will just say that my goal was to do better this year than last year <laughs> so I managed to achieve that so I'm happy just clearly what are you going to do next year <laughs> <No>. <laughs> in terms of the metagame though um, and the the way you felt you know, playing yeah. within the tournament so, using your decks. Like yeah. David's right. That look, but that's always been a division between like competitive players. Is is it better to have exactly one deck on each side, but have like the matchup be very skill intensive because so many people have been playing for so long, or to have like lots of decks where if you're going to have lots of good decks, matchups are going to be very important. So, like 
this year was more of one, last year was more of the other. Hmm. I pro- probably preferred last year, like, mm-hmm. from a player perspective, but there's nothing wrong with this. People like diversity. Even with your new subroutines that favour lack of certainty and a bit of risk-taking? Well, you'll have to see. <laughs> and Mark, how about you? Uh, again, like, my experience has kind of been a bit, bit sweet, but in terms of looking at the, the actual meta and the way that it looks now, I think the corp side, despite CI winning, is actually pretty healthy. Um, <laughs> so wow. Um, in, what I mean by that is, like, I think that you can kind of look at it as a network player going to your next tournament. And I think there's probably actually a viable deck for every faction, yeah. uh, which is a nice position to be in because it would like, the... yeah. Well, Wayland placed like lower than everything else, but I also they're think not real faction. Mini faction. Mini faction. Lower than Criminals is the new mini, mini faction. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Wayland has nice. two decks. Yeah, there's well, Gagarin well, and there's Titan Fast Events. Well, They're both yeah. good decks. Yeah. Scorpion is sort of there and thereabouts yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, and I think that depending on the fluctuation of Shaper, like mm-hmm. then like Wayland does get better at that point. Mm-hmm. Now, um, when you said Scorpion, you've reminded me that we do have a Hatamoto in our presence. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Hatamoto of the Crab Clan, Dave Hoyland. Um, we'll come back to that in a moment, but Mark, we'll finish up with yeah. you first. <laughs> so in yellow, you've got CTM, and I think that there's something uh, there or thereabouts in Soul, although I've not quite found it yet. Um, Tinteki, obviously, PU, Ag Infusion is a good list, and then HP, you've got CI, CI, and Disgusting CI. Yeah. And um, CI. Yeah, and CI. <laughs> yeah. Um, on. Is it CI? <laughs> <laughs> it's always CI. Um, on the runner side, like, less so. Um, I think that Shaper, I'm not really ever going to be entirely happy with because that sort of deck isn't really my style. I don't like building a massive board state and stuff. Um, but I mean, there's Haley, which is thing, and I, as the Americans largely showed, that like there is definitely a reg analog deck to be built there or thereabouts. I'm really looking forward to the next cycle and the hope that like Criminal gets some other stuff and like the control econ denial to a degree does come back because there's kind of much more suiting my style and I think that that's something that this world has been missing in terms of that player manipulation. I think there isn't any kind of options where you can kind of take credits away from them. But the corpse having that ability to take away from the run and just shows kind of what a valuable thing that has in that. And I don't think it's any surprise really that um, Wolfie Stacks the thing from doing that is such a powerful tool within the netrunner and it's one of the, for me, the more interesting things about the game um, to be able to kind of make people make the decisions about whether or not they want to spend that money and etc. Uh, and that is hopefully something that's going to get addressed in the in the coming data packs or come, going into the new year, I guess. Alex? Yeah, I um, I largely agree with what Mark said. I think there's there's actually a lot of diversity. Um, if you kind of ignore the... the uh, I wouldn't call it dominance, but the success of, of CI across the board and g- given the different options you have, just picking CI as an ID. Um, I think there are viable decks in every corp faction, and I think that means you're setting yourself up for a healthy meta and I think the content of the next starter pack or two will definitely determine the direction the game will go and hopefully it means that the game will will continue to grow and uh, fingers crossed people pick up the revised core set as well and hmm. we get an influx of newer players but but yeah we'll see we'll see if anything is done about MCAP for example MCA austerity policy or not hmm but that might be uh, worth discussing on a different episode. So. Yeah, uh, but that, I think that's a really good point, is that every world and every tournament is a snapshot in time of the game at that moment, mm-hmm. and I think 
Monaco. Last year, the game... Maybe it's not even useful to compare them. Last year, the game was fun and interesting for a reason. And this year, I think we can all agree it was, as you say, Dave, the preparation and the solving of the puzzle of a completely new meta with a completely new banner restricted list that shook everything up was a lot of fun. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and, yeah, lastly, as I mentioned a moment ago, uh, Dave made top crab in the L5R worlds. <laughs> He's doing his crab claws. Um, so, yeah, well done, Dave. Well yeah. Done. H- how did that feel when you got that news? <laughs> uh, I was about to play my first round of Never on the Swiss. <laughs> and they said, uh, you, you made Crab Challenger and uh, Crab Hunter Mentor. And I went, all right. And he's like, are you coming to play? And I'm like, no, I'm going to play this. <laughs> he's like, okay. I will bring your stuff over in a bit. I'm like, all right, bye. <laughs> <laughs> and so you got a nice play mat? Yeah, don't... Yeah, Two so- play mats. So I've got top 32 playmat. Playmats. Yeah, so I've got top cut playmat. And, and Hatamoto playmat. And Hatamoto playmat. And now every time you play a tournament, your name will appear as Dave Hatamoto Hoyland. Is that right? <laughs> uh, Crab Hatamoto. David Crab Hatamoto Hoyland. And you can now not play any other factions, so right? Like premier events. So like, yeah. I think they're called mm-hmm. co-ties. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's amazing how much you know about this game that you are look I mean I think they're called Kota I, I wouldn't know yeah. <laughs> um, representing my clan well <laughs> um, so yeah so if I play anything else and I lose that status well, well, you wouldn't want to do that <laughs> well apparently if you repeat and become uh, how do I do it twice be, in a row you, you, become... get some, you get some other sort of status thing like, Ooh, so you like status stuff <laughs> Super crab. Um, <laughs> so does this mean that we'll be seeing you next year as Dave Hatamoto Hoyland in the L5R Worlds, most likely? Shogun. <laughs> well, if you're doing Clash, I, will, I would have liked to have played. Like, I really, I'm really enjoying the game. Um, the like, It is very different to Netrunner, but it is quite interesting. So um, probably will gonna continue to play it a bit. But uh, yeah, it's a bit weird. well congratulations anyway and uh, thanks guys for joining us if you want to get in touch with us you can send us an email at thewinningagenda at gmail.com you can check us out on Facebook our page is The Winning Agenda you can tweet us at Winning Agenda or if you want to throw a few dollars our way and join our uh, wonderful ranks of Patreon supporters many of whom we met this week and had the pleasure of being able to shake their hands and say thank you very much for your support uh, you can head along to www.patreon.com slash thewinningagenda Uh, Thanks to all of you who we've met, uh, who've come up and said they enjoyed the podcast, uh, who've said hello to us at Worlds. It's a wonderful community and it's been another great experience. So thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.